This is Elevate's Climate Changemakers, highlighting leaders in equity work and climate action. This season, we're having conversations with creators who are centering climate and environmental justice in their art. Let's dive in and meet today's changemaker. Welcome to Climate Changemakers, a podcast produced by Elevate. We've worked for over 20 years to make sure that everyone has access to healthy, safe, affordable heat, power, and water in their homes and communities. I'm Ann Evans, Elevate CEO and today's host. Hi, Ann. I'm Yami Newell, Associate Director of Community Projects at Elevate, and I'm also this episode's host. 2022 marks our third season, and this time, we wanted to center artists and creators producing content about the environment and climate crisis in innovative ways. The climate crisis will and does affect everyone. We all need to do our part. This can be really confusing, complicated, and even frightening. That's why it's so important to open new doors and work with artists to tell the story. We wanted to talk to some of them about what they do in today's podcast. Today, we have with us Usma Nur Muhammad, the Program D Director at Illinois Science and Energy Innovation Foundation, or ICEF, here in Chicago. There, Usma implements ICEF's grant-making strategy, and she manages the grant portfolio and finds collaborative opportunities within the grantee network and cultivates new grantees in order to fulfill the foundation's mission of information and engaging Illinois, Illinois residents on energy and climate. Today, we're excited to talk to her about a new grant program called Earth Art Chicago, which supports the use of art and stories to stimulate community engagement on climate change, natural resource use, and environmental justice in Chicago neighborhoods. Welcome, Uzma. Thank you for having me, Yami and Anne. Uzma, we like to start out by not asking you actually about your work, but asking you about your well-being. How are you doing? How is the world treating you? And, and what are you doing to take care of yourself? I'm doing well. I have a two and four-year-old, so it's been a little rough the last couple of years with the pandemic and being at home, but they've also been a joy and they say the sweetest things and make my day. For example, in the morning, I, my four-year-old says, mama, the sun came up for you. Aww. And it's just adorable. And as far as just, you know, how I'm doing in the world, so much of it centers around that family life, and my kids, and also just metaphorically thinking about them in the future. And, um, and it's lovely to be reminded of that so much and every day. Awesome. Thank you, Uzma. Can you tell us more about Earth Art Chicago? And how was this project brought about? What were you thinking when you thought to launch it? Yeah, Earth Art Chicago is really a special initiative of the foundation. We, to this day, um, eight years that the foundation has been around, we have funded energy education and energy literacy, which is very different from this artistic approach that we decided to take with the grant process. Um, and the idea really was, you know, instead of using these rational approaches, data and getting out and talking to people about what they can do to save energy in their homes, how can we employ more 
emotional sort of approaches to get people to think about their connection to nature, to think about the environment, um, to bring attention to environmental justice, and also some of the work that's being done in our communities around environmental justices. Thank you, Uzma. This is really, frankly, inspiring to hear how a foundation is taking such an accessible approach and such an authentically, truly, we believe that that artists and people who are closest to the problems are also closest to the solutions. I have to say, in all my years, I, this is really unique. It's a really unique approach, and you should you should feel proud of what you've done. Thank you. We are quite proud, and it took a lot of deliberation. I think grant making is a relationship. Um, and like any relationship, there's a power dynamic there. And so we were very sensitive about that power dynamic. And knowing that artists don't have a lot of capacity, mm-hmm. um, we need to make sure that they're able to apply for these grants, that it's accessible to them. Because at the end of the day, artists are communicators. And we need that kind of communication when it comes to the climate crisis. We need what artists can bring through emotion, through inspiring people, through moving them to take action. Can you talk a little bit about how the application process was different? Like, for example, you know, instead of writing an essay, right, what were some of the things that might have been different for folks who applied? Yeah, a lot of this was what we um, picked up from the co-creation sessions. So the artists, some of them said, we don't have time to put a narrative together. Can we submit video? And we just thought that's a no-brainer. That's really easy for us to do. I mean, that is the format people are using these days and they're comfortable with. Why don't we allow video submission? So that was one very easy operational change. We asked the minimal amount of questions and we tried not to repeat ourselves in the questions that we were asking. And we asked artists just natural questions. Instead of saying, give us an executive summary of the project, we asked, who trusts you? Um, and and tell us a little bit about what you'd like to accomplish. Um, And I think that those were just easier to answer. And then, you know, the stipends also helped because anyone that completed a a proposal received a stipend for the time that goes into, as as you all know, applying for grants is Mm -hmm. you need a position to do that. You need someone that you can support that is a staff person. Many of these artists don't have that. They're working on limited capacities. And so we recognize that and, the amount that we gave, it's not going to fund a development person, but it is acknowledging that your time is valuable um, and that we know that it does, it's cumbersome to fill out these proposals. So those were some of the things in the process. Um, We allowed people to use a lot more visuals um, and just tried to keep it short and sweet as much as we could. It was also an open LOI process. So a lot of times when it comes to artists, um, and this was new to us because we hadn't funded art before. We hadn't funded art projects before. What we found is that artists get commissioned. And we had an open process. And so when we first started this, we had some um, advisors who told us, here's a list of pre-qualified artists. Here are folks that have done environmental art before. And we said, but where are the people that aren't on this list that Mm -hmm. are also interested in this work? And how do we find them? Because we know they're out there. We're going to just start out with the assumption that we know that they're out there. And so we did a really lengthy outreach process with community development organizations, um, environmental organizations, artists, anyone we could find to interview them and just spread awareness of this and spread awareness that we wanted to have these co-creation sessions. So I think what was really fundamentally different too is that we, we asked the community what you'd like to see and, and some of the values that came through, community members that attended the co-creation session said, we'd like for you to specifically incorporate environmental justice into mm-hmm. your work. Um, 
And if you'll notice, ISAF hasn't supported environmental justice within those within that terminology in the past before. We've always used words like low-income populations. You know, really the legislative language that created the foundation mm -hmm. is what we have used. Um, and so this was very different for us because the RFP was, was completely open to artists. It was, you know, using environmental justice. It was also talking about racial equity because specifically from the sessions, people said, it can't just be equity. It's got to be racial equity that you address. Mm -hmm. um, so those were some of the things that were different. And then also art opportunity areas. That was another one. Mm -hmm. um, we identified areas in the city that have very low public art assets yeah. and very methodically said, these are the, you know, the criteria on which we'll essentially double the points for submissions mm. to make sure that we can put some public art into places because we know that that changes a neighborhood. That changes and creates a gathering space sometimes where there isn't one. Well, this is really important work, and we're so happy you could join us today. Thank you, Uzma. Before we leave, we just wanted to ask, you inspire us, but what gives you hope, and who inspires you? So what inspires me is love, and love for my community, love for the earth, and just the interconnectedness of all of us. I think that uh, doing this kind of environmental work, it takes a lot of of very active hope mm -hmm. because every day we see a thousand dismal stories about the climate and problems we're not going to be able to solve in our lifetime. But I think that having love for everything around me inspires me to keep going and doing the work that I'm doing. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you. much, Uzma. This has just been an incredible conversation. Your work is so inspiring. We're just truly grateful that you spent this afternoon with us. Thank you for having me. Yami, thank you for being the best co-host. You. you rock. And thank all of you for spending this time with us. And come back and check out our next podcast series, Climate Change Makers.